morning, good afternoon, good evening, good sleep. I don't know when you're listening out there. What's up, everybody? March 12th, close to the Ides of March. You're back at the Throughline Podcast. I'm Jay Larson. You can find me on social media, jlarsoncomedy.com, Facebook, Comedian Jay Larson. Um, the Ides of March, my mom's birthday is March 15th. Uh, hit her up on social media. She's on Facebook, Susan Larson. Give her a happy birthday. She'll love it. Hashtag raw meatballs. Um, <laughs> she'll love it and hate me at the same time. I don't know why you tell people so many people that my meatballs are raw. I, Jason, I have made meatballs for years. You use my recipe out there. You're my cranberry meatballs. I'm like, yeah, I know, Ma. Those are baked, you know? When you're doing your little saute and then you're trying to cook off meatballs. First of all, if you guys are out there making meatballs and you're sauteing them quick in a little fry pan, saute, brown them on the outside, and then put them into a sauce that you're making, you, they got to cook in that sauce for like two hours. You don't just throw them in there and heat them up real quick, lady. And that's me yelling at my mom. Um, anyway, great to be here with you guys. It's a beautiful day out. Um, and it's not. It's gray skies and uh, clouds and, you know, and it's cold. But that's beautiful. Every day is a beautiful day. I mean, what do we even get upset about? Oh, it's this. Whatever. Yeah, you're going to be a different person today than you were yesterday or you are to the next day. So just deal with it. I like it when it's cold and, and cloudy. I hope you do too. Um, shout out Brody Stevens. I'm recording this um, day before. We have a memorial for Brody tonight. And I put a clip up of his stand-up in uh, one of the previous episodes. So I'm going to celebrate him tonight. And then uh, just hold on to the memories from there forward. I think that's all you can do when you lose somebody. You celebrate them when you're there. I never look at wakes and funerals as like, they're sad. But at the same time, like, celebrate that shit. You know what I mean? Make fun of them laugh at them that's what i've always done i think that's just part of i don't know maybe that's just uh an east coast thing but uh i'll be doing that tonight and i'm looking forward to it and um yeah so um huckberry.com they've been uh on board with us sponsoring the podcast for a while now i think it's such a great site for anything that you need whether it's home goods bar goods kitchen goods uh, it's think of like a curated, cool, amazing site for cool clothes, cool uh, glasses, camping gear, shoes, socks, underwear, name it. And they keep it bringing in different brands. And it's kind of like you build a lifestyle world around these guys because they have writing like samples for you to read. Not writing samples. You know, you can, they have blogs about like different things. If you're into camping and if you sign up for their mailing list, they're not ma- emailing you every day with like, buy this piece of clothing they email you like hey check out this uh amazing place where people camp in antarctica and you're like oh this is dope you know so it's great for lifestyle and uh and goods so go check out huckberry.com use code throughline t-h-r-u-l-i-n-e at checkout for 15 percent off your first purchase uh make it a big purchase that way you get 15 percent off that big purchase uh, but they're great we love them starburns audio was where you can find this podcast and please go on to itunes and give it a, a review and a rating um and share it with your friends. Let them know. It's the only way we continue to build is word of mouth. So many of you I know have come over from the Crab Feast. We have some new listeners out there as well. Um, 
I appreciate all of you tuning in each week. I'm, I keep trying to find new and interesting guests with different stories and and uh, and uh, beginnings and ends. And um, this week is no different. My my guest this week is a screenwriter, uh, television writer, and movie writer. He has a new movie coming out in the summer or fall uh, called Twelve, and he's just an interesting dude with an interesting background. And I'm known him for a while and i said let's come and sit down so please enjoy this week's and he's got one of the best names in the business sherman Payne. what Payne? we talk a little bit about it we get into a lot he knows stuff that i don't so that's always someone that interests me so please enjoy this week's episode with sherman Payne. sitting down with my boy sherman Payne. what's up baby what up what up uh good to have you here man i need to test out my microphone voice how do you think it sounds you want me to play it back know. i don't know let me play it no, back. no 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 no, this is the part you keep. Yeah, well, and like, I mean, like if this was a rap song, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn me up my headphone. Exactly. Check, we'll turn, check, you know, check. I gotta get. You know what I need to get is like a monitor over there. Yeah. Check, check. One, two. Turn me up. I've never had to do that except times that I've been on stage and like I can't hear anything, and then I'm like, oh, what is going on? It's only happened like twice, and then they'll be like, I've asked, and it felt like. Uh, the first time I felt like so weird. The second time I felt baller. I'm like, I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need it over here in the. <laughs> Have you ever done anything on stage where you're talking in the mic, whether it's no. like nothing? No, I mean, I've yeah, I've, I've addressed like classrooms and done Q&As and stuff. Yeah. But like in terms of commanding an audience for any given period of time, not. Nah. Dude, addressing a classroom is like got to be the hardest. What, what no, grade? I love to teach. I love to teach. Oh, really? Yeah, Have like, you ever? I've taught a lot. Yeah. Really? And so like if... Um, Did you have to from grad school? Well, I did some in grad school, so I taught some undergraduate classes in grad school. Um, I taught, I had a big background in... Um, professor Payne? Professor Payne. Dude, that sounds like, that's a I movie. wasn't a professor, though. I was like a graduate TA. So, you know, TA Payne. TA Payne? <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, TA Payne's an ABC Family show. Yeah. And Professor Payne's like a Marvel. Yeah, or TA Payne is like a late 90s rap album, you know? <laughs> Totally, T. yeah. T.A. Payne. T.A. Payne. Uh, nah, so I did like a, uh, I did like a lot of nonprofit teaching. I worked yeah. for a nonprofit in New York for a long time, teaching kids from the Bronx filmmaking and screenwriting. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, and then I taught at college, and yeah. I, What's I, that like, rolling into a college? Like, because my experience has just been performing at colleges. You go in, and I'm like in my 30s, and I see these college kids, and I'm like, oh my God, they're so young. But when I was in college, I was like, man. I'm old, baby. Yeah, no, I was no. young. I was, I was like just a few years older, you know, older than them. So it yeah. felt appropriate. Like they were in, you know, their nineteen twenty range, and I was like twenty six. Yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that was where you did grad school at Columbia. Columbia, New York City. I mean, that's no joke. No joke, man. Ivy League. Is that Ivy? Yeah. Come on, bro. That's God that's a major Ivy. That's not even like a what minor. Are you, what are you Ivy. talking about? Major. That's Ivy. not like a. We're not talking about a what. A brown? No. You know what's this, funny is I this had is not a, a brown. This is like you got to say Columbia, Harvard, Princeton. You got to say it. Yale, Dartmouth. Yale, Yale up there, Dartmouth. Come on. Whoa, Dartmouth's legit. No, no? Dar everything's legit. Yeah, but don't try to play Columbia like it's some third tier <laughs> Ivy. Listen, don't try. I had a meeting with a guy recently who went to Brown, mm -hmm. and I like I sent an email follow up saying like great sitting down, blah blah blah, and I'm like. uh I said something. I'm like, I go. It's great to sit down with a smart guy. I'm like, I'm not saying Brown's like upper tier Ivy, but you could still. See, yeah, I, I kind of shredded on it. But honestly, I have no clue. 
No, of to course. be quite honest, I have no like. I went to state school for undergrad. That's where you really. Yeah, where'd you go to undergrad? It's called Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm like a state school guy. Like I think Ivy League that that designation matters if you're if you're coming out when you're 18. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Straight so, out of high school. Well, I mean, let me just tell you something right now. Yeah. If I had gone to any Ivy League school, yeah. You would never hear the end of it. Okay, I'm I would start be that. throwing it in everyone's face. I want to start that. Just ask me anything. Just ask me. Where'd you get those shoes? Well, hey, listen. so what? What's up with those sneakers, Jay? Oh, these are. You know, I went to uh, went to Columbia undergrad, <laughs> and uh, I always like sneakers. Said undergrad. See, even <laughs> well, even, I'm starting there. No, no. Even your inclination is to say undergrad is the most impressive. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, where you grad go? Grad school, they they accept anything. Well, follow up and ask me where I went to grad. Where'd you go to grad? Nah, I didn't go to grad. <laughs> Nobody says undergrad if they didn't go to grad. That's true. Uh, wait, so did you uh, make sure you just get that mic a little? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's sorry. Um, all right, so let me ask you. So, you, you know, screenwriter, TV writer. Yes. Were you writing as a kid growing up? Like, I feel like I, I always find it interesting how people get from A to Z. Or well, where do you think you're at right now? Maybe like LMN? I'm like, dude, this is, this is disappointing for your podcast because I'm where, – where, A is starting? A is starting. Yeah, I'm, like a, I'm like a solid, like – like G. G. Yeah. I'm a G. That's great. I'm that G. Is... Uh, so people can see what it's like to be closer to the bottom than to the top. That's what I'm saying. Um, but A is like, in second grade, I, I won a poetry contest. Yeah. So I or, I think I always like to tell stories. Yeah. I always like to tell stories. I didn't know that such a thing as screenwriting existed. Yeah. I just knew that you could tell stories. And um, Was so, people in your family storytellers? No, well, you know, my dad is my dad is a storyteller. You know yeah. what I mean? He's not a professional storyteller, no, but that's... he will talk shit with the best of them yeah. and just come up with crazy characters and tell stories and stuff. So Is that like cuz you know, me Massachusetts. Yeah. Everybody tells stories. Yeah. Everyone's a storyteller. So like and there was I didn't have that dad around. It was my nana and yeah. my aunts and my mom just like telling stories, yeah. like old stories, and we, I'd sit there and just watch and listen. Yeah. Do you have that like family dynamic like at like holidays and stuff, everyone's around telling old stories, or what's that like? No, nah, not so much, actually. I mean I would say that my dad so my dad is a creative person. My dad's in the arts mm -hmm. and that's what I grew up in. My what dad kind? he's uh he was a Classical musician. Oh, really? And a professional singer. What, yeah. what music? Uh, what instrument? Professional singer. Oh, right. Yeah, uh -huh. and so he. But when I was born, he was running the opera department at Ohio University, and that was oh. his thing. So, putting on huge, you know, collegiate—not Broadway, but like collegiate level yeah. big performances and auditoriums. Not Ivy, but not Ivy. Yeah, <laughs> state school, state school. But uh, yeah, so I grew up in that. I grew up in a world where, like, being a performing artist, being creative, being an artist mm -hmm. was cool. Yeah. I you know what that. I mean? Yeah, and it was, like, sure. also, a, like, you hear a lot of people when they're young, they sort of get talked out of the creative thing because you nobody did. in their family can imagine that that could make money. 100%. But that was, for me, I looked at my dad. Yeah. My dad held it down. And he made money putting on shows and singing. So yeah. it was, like, it was never... Nobody ever tried to talk me out of this world. Hold on. Can we backtrack yeah. real quick and let me ask you, how did your dad get into opera? So my dad is a dude from, you know, my look, my dad is a dude, a baby boomer guy born in the late 40s. Um, in Ohio? In Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, in mm -hmm. the hood in Cleveland, right? You know, post-World War II. Mm -hmm. And just uh, was just a, you know, a black dude from the hood. Uh, Who just got in. Yeah. Opera seems like a perfect Well, I'm going to get to it. Okay. I'm going to get to it. And so... Um, you know, growing up in the 50s and 60s in a Rust Belt, 
you know, in a Rust Belt town, <laughs> dealing with that. Yeah. And um, but just had a natural talent for natural talent for singing. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting blown up. Yeah. I want to. Uh, natural talent for singing. And so somebody identified him that yeah. he had this ability somewhere in the. Uh, you At know, what the, age do you think? I think probably in his early teens, mid teens. Have you seen that kid going viral right now who who uh, plays drums? He's like four. He played at the. The I did Warriors see that. Game. I didn't watch it, but I saw the I saw the viral clip. I mean, he's insane, and both his parents are musicians, right? Yeah. But I'm I watched that, and I'm like, how the hell does this kid? How does anyone know that he can be that good? Except if it's a natural talent, but someone still has to. I mean, I understand voice can be something that right. you can That's just be like because you don't have to go buy a drum set. I mean, you know what sure. I mean. You have to, somebody has to say, I want to put a drum set in front of this kid. So one of the things that happened with my dad, even when he was a kid, and you know, I don't know if this story is like again. Storyteller, bullshitter, who knows how much is true. Yeah, totally. But his story is... I love that about stories from family, though. You know what I mean? You You're never like, know. I don't know. This is what my, my mother said that your grandfather worked in the atom bomb. We don't know. Don't know. So his story is that he was watching one of those like old-time you know, TV shows that were coming on the 50, The Lone Ranger or something, mm -hmm. and then he was like five, and he went over to the family piano and just played it. <laughs> this, this is the story he tells. That's dope. This is the story he tells, yeah. and that his sisters, who are much older than him, yeah, they corroborate it. They, they, I haven't actually, do, I haven't actually well, I mean, done the follow up. Thanksgiving's yeah, yeah. going to be interesting this yeah, year. Yeah, okay, I'm going to follow up, but like that, they lost their shit. Yeah, you know that their five year old little brother was playing this thing by ear, and he said that sort of set him on the path to being wow a musician. He went to some camp like when he was in high school. Somebody, somebody in the school system saw that he could sing. He went to a camp in upstate New York, Chautauqua, I think it's called, mm -hmm. which is like a creative arts thing, as far as I understand. And then, uh, and then the rest is history. He, you know, started singing classical music. Why was there a piano in the house? Did your I don't know who played piano. Play? I think maybe my grandmother. I'm not actually sure yeah. about that. I feel like every house back then had a piano. Like it was like it was like a piece of furniture. It totally. Yeah. And you yeah. would maybe you were lucky enough that your son would go over and be like, "Hey, is this right?" Whatever he was right, playing. Right. That's fresh because we. I've been thinking like so. Jay, who's over here, he plays you know guitar. He plays a lot of different stuff. But he was like, I was like, yeah, I want to get Reed into guitar. Like I don't know if you've talked. You guys have talked about like getting in your son into any yeah. instruments. So I'm like he always like we passes a music place over here and we stop and through the window we can watch the kids and stuff and i'm always like play guitar play guitar play guitar because my rationale is when you're 19 you're gonna go camping and <laughs> someone's gonna have a guitar and whoever that is they're gonna have a really good night okay but whoever does, you can't bring a drum set out to the woods you know that's hilarious um but like um you know my mom had a piano because my grandfather played and then my mother played and then you know like my wife, they had a piano growing up because the parents, everybody just wanted, you can get an old piano for like 200 bucks, you know? Right. That's just, that's so amazing that like his his entire journey in life happened because your grandmother or grandfather had a piano in the house. Oh, yeah. Big part of it. I mean, yeah. it sounds like it would have come out anyway. But Maybe. You never know, though. I mean, yeah. it's just that, you know, fortuitous thing. God, yeah. it's amazing. Don't you, I mean, was it that easy? All right. So now let's get back to you. Okay. So Was it easy for you to, to find that about yourself? That no, you could write or no? Because, like I said, who I'm a kid in Ohio. Who thinks screenwriting is a path for anybody? Who thinks opera coming out of the? I mean, except except a talent. But here's the thing. Yeah, he could walk in here right now. My dad, who's seventy, could walk in here right now and sing and for 30, 30 seconds, and you would go, 
you would go, this guy can really sing. <laughs> yeah, he, totally. he must have had some training. He knows what he's doing. Like yeah. you, you ha- every human being has the ear for singing. Who knows shit about screenwriting? Yeah. Right. So, you know, I was always a storyteller. I was always like a really good liar. And uh, <laughs> no, nah, I know that's my good. favorite thing yeah. in the world, yeah. dude. You gotta I, be a good liar. Lying is the funnest thing. That it do, is. You, do you haven't? Do you still lie once in a while? Um, less now that I have a son who I'm trying to teach truthfulness of to. Of course, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, even when I was in, uh, it's it's the fun of telling a lie that where it's like it it's so ridiculous that people mm-hmm. should not believe it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then you're telling it so well that they start to believe. It. I'll tell you a story. Like when I was 14, I moved from New York City. This, we're jumping ahead. But 14. Like, Wait, you were in, you went from Ohio. I went okay. from Ohio to New York back to Ohio. At what age did you guys the whole family move? We moved to New York City at 11. Uh, when I was 11, we stayed there for, for three, work? three and a half parents years. Work. My dad changed vocations. This is going to be about my dad. We should get my dad. <laughs> Let's get that guy in here. My dad changed vocations. He left music and became a minister. And so, oh wow, yeah, became an Episcopal priest. And so we moved back to Ohio. Uh, and um, you know, I started at this. I never lived in the suburbs before. I'm living in suburban Cincinnati. I didn't even know what the suburbs were. And uh, this was like during Tiger Woods' rise to, you know, fame. Yeah. Early on, Tiger Woods, For new thing, sure. right? And so I told all the people when I moved to uh, oh, all the boy. girls. I told them when yeah. I moved in. I said, "Oh, the reason why I didn't grow up with y'all is actually I'm from around here, but I've been on the PGA tour." <laughs> At 12? No, 14. And I said, I'm just like, no, I'm really good. Like, I'm on the junior tour right now. I'm about to, you know, if things go right for me, I'm going to go back on the, on the, you know, the Holy adult tour. shit, dude. And nobody believed it. Yeah. But also, I was telling the lie for so off, like, so long and with yeah. such conviction that, like, you know, they would try to, like, stump me. I'd be like, no, no. I'd love to meet up with you guys, man. I got to hit some yeah. balls, but. No, no. I'd be like, I don't even know shit about golf. I would just, like, pick the names that I would see on sports and I'd be like, yeah, uh, you know, my uncle Greg sent me this. Greg who? Greg Norman. You know, the shark. <laughs> sure. Dude, that's something about dudes that have to move, though. Yeah. You got to find a way to fit in and, and making up this crazy yeah, story. Cra- no just, one knows. No one knows. It, nobody believed it, but it was fun to tell. And I just like to create stories. I like to create, you know, characters and alternative yeah. versions of the truth. So, you know, even uh, so I, I never. Because a lot of time a lie is who's going to just hold out longer. Yes. I, the last time I lied, lied. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll throw a white lie out every once in a while. Yeah. Like, every time I check on an airplane, I use my phone, and I go in with group one, even though I'm group six, and I'm just like, how you doing today? Great to see you. You guys are working hard. That's a lie, but I'm not lying. But I went to the DMV for an appointment, uh-huh. and I missed my appointment. So I went in for my appointment, and they were like, I went like, I was like two weeks late, or I just couldn't go, and, and I just went in. And I was like, yeah, I got an appointment at 11. They're like, oh, we don't have you. I'm like, well, I made the appointment. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I made the appointment. And then like I look at my email, and I'm like, you want to see the email? And I see it, and it's saying like two weeks before, and I just stuck to it. She's like, no, I don't need to. I'm like, I got it right here. I'll show you right here. And I like, if she looked at it, she'd be like, yeah, that was two weeks ago, dummy. But she didn't. And she's like, all right, just go. And she got me in, and I was like, whew. You did it. I just stuck what a with good it. Lie. You know? Yeah. But lying's fun. My mom lies now like crazy. Why? I don't know. Like Still. she just lies. Like she made a tomato sauce with me and Sickler. Me and Rye went home uh-huh. and she tried to like tell me it was her sauce and I like just I wouldn't let up. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you didn't make that sauce, lady. Did she eventually admit it? You know what she said? She eventually goes, You know what, Jason? I ran out of my sauce, so I had to add a jar to it. Are you happy now? But it wasn't. It was all jar. Yeah, of course it was all jar. In the trash. Once I you th- admit one jar, 
That's the, yeah. that's the only thing. Yeah, but that's they, the only ingredient. But yet she still felt comfortable or the need to stick with the fact that she may have made half of it. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Come on, mom. So when you moved back at fourteen, did you start like? So still not really, you know, loving to tell stories, loving to lie, loving loving to just like make up the most ridiculous version of the truth. And um, what happened was. Right when I moved back there, the school district was building a new high school. Okay. And so the next year, when I went into 10th grade, they had built this brand new pimped out high school. Did you have a lot of friends at this point? Are you still like learning nah, people? No, nah, I didn't have a in? lot of friends. And your dad's a minister, so that's a, like another yeah. thing. Yeah, nobody. I mean, it was a big, first of all, it was like, you know, was, uh, one of those schools where there's like thousands of kids. Big, suburban, yeah. sprawling school. Is that easier or harder to, to fit in? For me, it was never a matter of fitting in. I had my core group. Okay. You know, I wasn't like, it wasn't like the new kid with no friends. In a small school, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It gotcha. was like I had I had my group of friends. I always had my group of friends. I was never like a popular cool. kid, but yeah. also I always had something to do in the weekends. Nice. And so they built this new high school, and in the high school they put, like at the time, 90s version of like state-of-the-art editing suite. Shit, for like film? For film. But I mean, this is this is '90s, so it's like we're talking about like, you know, videotape to videotape. Yeah. You know, you can digitize your footage and put it in the computer. But that's still like crazy awesome. We didn't have anything like that when it I was, was awesome. in school. Yeah. It was amazing. So I signed up for every film class, and so by the time I got to my senior year, I but was, were you geeking out like as a kid, like going to movies and like totally into it? This was happening at about the same time. Okay, cool. About the same time that I I saw that I could make these little stories and videos and stuff. Um, I was starting to take film as like an art serious, like really watching, figuring out what was going on. And um, yeah, man, like that, that started my love affair. I never stopped. Once I graduated from high school, I went to college for film. Mm -hmm. That was like another ratcheting up of like how serious I took it. Really just like studying. Now is your dad and mom embracing this and being like, yes. Cause like, dude, my mom. Yeah was in the arts my whole life but the idea of me moving to la to pursue this it was like what no you know what i mean like she still like it backlashed Did no my, my parents were 100 behind it oh that's awesome. partially because i was not a good student in high school yeah so when i got into college and i realized that i was wanted to do film and i took it very very seriously i aced all my classes Nice. Because the film program was competitive. And if you if you were a C and B student, they cut you. But if you were an A student, you could stay in the program and keep making movies and have access to the equipment. So I got this fire underneath me. Like, yeah. I want to be, you know, I'm a rap fan, you know? Yeah. And I love the competition. I love art as competition. So I just think, like, man, I'm going to kill all these people. Like, I'm yeah. going to destroy them. I'm going to be the best here. This is your rap game, baby. It's my, yeah, word. <laughs> T.A. Payne. You know what I'm saying? T.A. Payne. I go, T.A. Payne, man. Got, uh, that new, got that new mixtape out. And so I tried really hard. Yeah. I tried really, really hard and was, like, you know, carrying, like, a 3.8 or something like that and just night and day between college and high school for me. Yeah. And in that time, I'm being taught by people who take film so seriously. Like, we go back to the, you know, this is a state school, man. You know, yeah. I, I got lucky going to the school because 
the film department took itself really seriously. And I, you know, I'm learning about the French New Wave. I'm learning about, you know, German expressionism and Italian neorealism. Like I could still talk to you about that stuff today. Yeah. I'm not just uh, like, you know, some other people get into film, they're like, man, I love Star Wars. Star Wars was so cool. That's why I want to be a writer. <laughs> I hear Yo, that. Yo, let me baby. tell you something. Shut up. Let me tell you something about impressionistic Austria, bro. I mean, do you? <laughs> I mean, if you start talking to people that shit, you they might be like, "All right, dude." No, it's not a good reference for today. But it's a good back. But it's a good basis, and yeah. it's a good way to show uh, young people about you know sort of the artistic integrity of filmmaking yeah. and, and, and storytelling and writing because, you know, after the blockbuster era, that's what it became about, right? The blockbusters, yeah. filling the seats, popcorn, accessibility. Yeah. What was uh, what was some of the shorts you shot in college? Oh, man. Uh, my big short that I shot on 16 millimeter was a, um, a movie called Nicked. Uh-huh. It was about a, a guy, a, a young black kid in the, in the neighborhood who uh, wants to go get a haircut. And mm-hmm. when he goes there, the only person who is available to cut his hair is the, um, is the Asian owner of the barbershop who <laughs> nobody ever goes to. Okay. And when he sits down, he fucks up his hair. Like he takes a big chunk out That's of it. Tight. And then the rest of it is about sort of like the peer pressure of, of like, you gotta and... like go and get your money back. Like, oh really? You need to have some integrity. You're walking around with that patch out of your head. Like you gotta go get some retribution. And then he goes, how to, long is it? It's just 60 minutes or something okay. like that. And he goes back to the, he creeps in sort of not really breaks in, but sort of creeps in late at night and sort of walks through the shop and goes to the apartment that, that's sort of like attached to the mm-hmm. shop and he has sort of like a very tender moment where he sees this this owner taking care of his grandmother and he just decides to drop it that's tight yeah you know we had that barber growing up i oh, mean it might been... be a little different for you but yeah it was stone and barber and there was a couple that owned it mm-hmm. i can't remember his name right now but her name was josie mm-hmm. it was josie and whatever his name was and she had like a tracheotomy or something right and mm-hmm. she talked like this, kind of, you know. And you want your hair cut? And we go up there, and Dave, I go with my best friend, Dave the George, and he would only go to the other guy. I think it was Joe and Josie, to be honest with you. And I'd always get stuck, and I never wanted to wait. I'm like, what am I going to do? Wait for you to wait to get your hair cut? Then I'm going to get mine cut? I'm like, I'll just go to Josie. And she would always, always fuck up your hair. Horrible. It was a nightmare, yeah. That was based off a true story. Across from Wright State, across from Wright State, there was a barbershop. It was a Every if there were ten chairs, mm-hmm. nine of them were black young dude barbers. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> all of the, all of the, uh, all the kids, you know, all the all the black kids from Wright State University would go over there. Yeah, and then there was a one seat that was the Asian owner of the barbershop, and literally nobody would go to him. And one day I walked in, and took a look, and he was the only one there. He was the only one there. The other barbers had left en masse to go to another shop. Yeah, and you were like, "Fuck it, I gotta get cut." I did get end up getting cut. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, because, and this is the 90s, right? This is like the early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, for me, like white dudes, haircuts, they're like whatever. But is, in black culture, your, your hair is like, in what? black culture, is it a you huge just, deal? Yeah, of course. You're just like, <clears throat> you're very skeptical of anybody who's not black cutting your hair. And like, shout out, particular. shout out to all of like, for example, the Asian barbers who know how to cut black hair. Like, I'm not ragging on Asian barbers, like, on all the Latino. That, that huge Asian barber community. Nah, but for real, like, you know, one of the things like when I went to New York, when I went to New York, back to New York as an adult, is like, you got to go to the Dominican barbershop. 
Yeah. Like, just go to the Dominican barbershop because Dominican people have every texture of hair yeah. within their community. D- Dominican people will get anybody right yeah. who steps in the shop. Um, and, <laughs> and whatever. So, like, the guy did not I take a chunk that. out of my hair. Yeah. But I was, trying to play, I was trying to play on the nervousness of what that felt like, you know, the anxiety that I felt in that moment. Yeah. Do you, you know what I kind of miss? I mean, you're in writer's rooms a lot now, but... I miss like in college and I would imagine specifically making movies in college like shorts it's like fucking you have you have access to the editing bay so you're in there till three o'clock in the morning the only thing in the world you give a fuck about is making that little short film you know what I mean yeah it's a project but like you don't care oh my god we were obsessed yeah you talk about three four in the morning you got it exactly right when we were making that movie uh, me and uh, my producer, shout out to Alex Mangin, who's a great filmmaker. What's up, Alex? Uh, he, we were there 24-7. Yeah. We sometimes slept in the adjacent like sound booth. Yeah. Took shifts editing. We um, And now also, by the way, for anyone listening, nowadays you can go shoot a short film. Well, you can shoot it on your iPhone and yes. you can edit it right there. This yes. is, you're talking actual film. No, we film. shot actual 16 millimeter film. And you have to, what, cut it and splice it no. or something? No. So, what you did in this, this was like sort of the transi- transition between film and digital. Yeah. So, you would send off your negatives and they would send back a digitized version of your negative. Mm-hmm. You would cut that on the computer. You would output a cut list, right? Mm-hmm. From Avid and send that to some to a negative cutter somebody whose job it was to cut negatives and assemble negatives based on the edl list which is wow. an edit decision list and then they would cut that negative together and then they make you make prints from that negative damn so that was a so we would this was during the computer phase so we cut on the computer we'd be there all night we we were like racing towards our sound mix date so we made t-shirts that said get mixed or die trying <laughs> We we made that. Yeah. This is Fifty Cent era. People are like, that. what do you? What's your mom white and your dad's black? And you're like, nah, it's a it's a filmmaking thing, man. Mix sound mix, bro. And so we, uh, yeah, we did it, man. We cut, yeah. we cut, we hopped in a compact car, drove to New York to do our sound mix. I mean, we took it very very seriously. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, I mean, I miss that. Do you? I mean, outside of like what you're doing now, do you have any? I've been talking about this to friends lately. I don't have things i'm like that passion i mean outside of the kids and my wife mm-hmm. like there's like to have passion like that anymore <laughs> it's like what are you gonna have passion about is there anything that you're passionate about like that? writing yeah but that's what i'm saying that's yeah. your job you know like uh, i have passion outside, yeah. for writing and comedy and yeah i can't all i want to do is a chance to i the only only way i can uh, assimilate it i don't know if that's the right use of this word but like remember did you play sports growing up i think it might be did you play sports growing up uh casually okay yeah. well i played and like i played in college and i remember someone telling me what did you play in college i didn't know this about you i played baseball in college i didn't know that I mean, it was division two but yeah um i mean it wasn't ivy league or i mean was your college d1 yeah it was d1 but we didn't have a football team okay um so like even like even in high school people we now that we're older you look at these kids and like you're taking for granted the fact that you get to they don't take for granted they just don't understand that being able to play high school sports or anything everyone's there you don't have to put a team to get you got your team you have uniforms you have a field you have people that are going to show up on time and you have referees yeah. the second you're not in a, a league like that 
you're never going to have that again. I mean, you can join like a men's league, right. but it's like, what? It's never going to be like that. Yeah, it's so yeah. like amazing. And that's why like, you know, I miss that the idea of like all when things were like that simple when you could just go out and like have things put together and the stakes seem so high because they yes. were so important to oh you. Oh my you god. Know? Yeah, I mean, just the freedom of time to uh be able to spend a month in the editing room doing nothing else. Yeah. Leaving to go, you know, just go have drinks. Yeah. And wake up the next morning hungover and do it all over again. But isn't that like the best idea ever of like you see it like in movies now where like a guy has something like either they're running some campaign or something in college and they're like, all right, guys, I got to call it a night. And they go to the pub, they meet friends. You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, oh, God, that now, would be the best. Now the stakes are so much higher for what I'm working on. Yeah. And I don't have the freedom, you know, because no I'm an adult. Way. I don't have the freedom to just be like, hey, hey, honey, taking a month off to go write this episode, you'll see me when you see me. Yeah. No, I'm She'd juggling. Like, are you out of your goddamn mind? For real. Do you, you know, cook you, at home? Huh? Do you cook at home? Uh, very rarely. You work the grill? Very rarely. Yeah. Do you cook? Yeah, I cook. Yeah. I mean, I just love, I, I guess that's, I'm not, pa I love cooking, but it's like, uh, I'd much rather be the one cooking in the kitchen than have her, you know what I mean? Like, not that she's not a good cook. Yeah. She follows directions way better than I do. I improvise, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? I'm right. like, she's like, how much is that supposed to be? I'm like, I don't know. And I'll just be shaking it in. I'm like, that should be good. Yeah. You know, sometimes it backfires. Yeah. But like, if anyone's going to cook, I'll usually do it just because I'm a little quicker because I bartended for so long uh -huh. and I keep the kitchen clean. Yeah. I mean, my wife's a mess, dude. Yeah. Our kitchen's always a mess. It's just like the hardest thing. That, you have a dishwasher? No, that's Me the, that's the tough thing. Yeah, yeah. People, I mean, listen to the struggle, dude. What are we doing with our lives that we don't have dishwashers? I don't know, bro. It's like you might need. To, I bought one at one point. Yeah, and then was gonna like rig it through my laundry, and then I got it. My buddy came over, and it didn't work, and I had to return the whole oh, thing. Oh no, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. All right, so then you left there. You went to Columbia, and then what was your first job like? What were you doing for work in college? Did you have a job? Yeah, I worked at a museum. Uh, I worked at the Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio. What? Yeah, I worked in their like AV department. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like. Oh, so you were doing it all. Yeah, man. You know, it was sort of on target for me. Like, you know, we do little video productions about like I remember one we did was about POWs being rescued. Yeah. We do like audio components to the exhibits, editing editing together sounds and. That's cool. You don't yeah. even. You, I think you, you don't even realize that when you go to a museum and you see like little videos playing, you don't realize they're doing that in house. Some are, yeah, That's yeah. We tight. definitely were. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Government jobs, man. Those are the best, by the way. They are for sure. Yeah. You ever work for the government? No. Oh. But I have friends that have like a contract through the government that they work from home. Yeah. They've, and they've never, had it for like fourteen. They're never going to leave that job. No. Never. I mean, as a kid, first of all, you know, I'm 19, so that's. They just pay more than you can make doing fast food or anything like that. Yeah. And secondly, there is no accountability. So yeah. I did it because I loved it and I was passionate about like, you know, all things sort of storytelling and mm -hmm. visual. But if I wanted to probably just sit there for a month and do nothing. Yeah. And say, hey, I'm getting to this thing later. Yep. I remember dudes in my town like that would plow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The You'd see yeah. them all the time. They would be like, no, nah, they would milk it. And mm. the big dig, you know the big dig that went down yeah, to Massachusetts? Do. The last federally funded state project Yeah, that cost like trillions of dollars right. that made mass, like put the real estate in Massachusetts, like, like it was a boom for Massachusetts and everybody worked, but everybody milked the hell out of that of gig. Of course. 
the whole state was like, what? Yeah, dude, yeah. I'll work. Yeah, what are we doing? Like, dig. Come, come, I don't know what we're yeah. doing. I think yeah. you're digging something over there. I'll lay wood down over here. But like, yeah, why is that, you think? Just because it's too much it's to just, keep an eye on? Yeah, it's just massive. It's so it's such a big organization. The government, man. You know? Yeah. And um, sort of like that many people doing that many sort of disparate things. Yeah. How do you keep track of it all? Yeah. You got to have some real accountability at every level, and sometimes you don't. So, well, seeing that from A to Z, you're at G right now. Oh yeah. What were some of your? What was your least favorite job or worst job? Because it sounds like you you did good good job choice. Did you have to have a job as a kid? Yeah, I worked at a you know teenager. Yeah, teenager. Mm. I worked uh, at a amusement park outside Cincinnati, Ohio, Kings Island. Oh, I was gonna say. I mean, Kings Island. Never heard of it, but it, I mean, why would I have? Yeah. No, the Brady's went there. They did, yeah, yeah. The Shut Brady's did that. Up. Yeah, the Brady's went to Kings Island. It was weird. Um, did they, they say it was Kings Island? Yeah. and they were in Ohio. Yeah, I don't know if they said Ohio, but they said Kings Island for sure. That's yeah. crazy. For what? I don't know. I don't know why Road they would tripping? shoot a whole episode at Kings Island. It was weird. Yeah, they had an Eiffel Tower, like a replica of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I sold Dippin' Dots. Shut up, dude. Yeah. It was horrible. Dippin' Dots are the greatest thing yeah, ever to happen. Ice chips and surf, soft serve. Okay, for three days when you're selling them. Yeah. For three days, and you're like sneaking all you can eat, and then you're like, never show me a dip and dot again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know what I mean? But they were already packaged, weren't they? You didn't have to yeah, like scoop just, them. No, you scoop them. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. did? Yeah, you had a big vat of them in these sub zero yeah. freezers, and then you scoop them in the cups, individual servings. It's gross. You giving it to your boy yet? I'm pretty sure he's had dip and dots. Reed had them, and he went nuts. I bet. He loved them. Yeah. I mean, they love ice cream anyway, yeah. but like he went nuts for it. Yeah. First time I went, had them, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. Yeah. I love dip and dots. And so, um, dude, working at an amusement park has got to be cool, though. Were there tons of other people working there? Like, It was you- all kid- It was all like people between the age of 15 and 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? So lots of friends there, lots of bullshit, hijinks. You guys you ever know? stay late and No, nah, the park? security wouldn't let you do it. Yeah. They did have, like, employee days, though, where they would open the park for employees. Oh, yeah. You know, like, open up two hours early for employees. But, um, yeah, you know, I did that for did that basically through high school, and in, especially in the summers. I worked at a, uh, a beer warehouse. Did a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's just what you do. Yeah. And did the museum mostly through college, and then uh, went off to grad school, man. And then, then you were just doing real jobs from there. So what's the dream job, then? The dream job for me? Yeah. I would say at this point it would be creating and running a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which I'm sure you're going to do. Let's talk about the movie. Oh, 12. Yeah, 12. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. I just saw my first cut of it. Oh, really? Yeah. So do you have I'm, any input into the edit? Um, the person who just called me earlier was the producer of the movie. So Look at that. Putting him on hold. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Well, it's the middle of podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, yeah, babe. Yeah. Um, no, so they have kept me involved probably more than most writers who aren't also producers are involved. Yeah, which is great. You know, um, we're and also because they need they need stuff from me too. It's not just like them being nice. Like yeah, you know, they want me to write some ADR. They want me to write possibly some scenes that they reshoot. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't know if anyone out there wants to be a writer or, or like. There's different writers. There's people that write something from their personal story there's people that make stuff up there's people that take things that exist and turn it into a story which is what this is right yeah. it was a documentary first yeah so it's it was originally called 12 o'clock boys based off the documentary of the same name they did a few different drafts and they came to me and said would you like to take a shot at the rewrite 
and I just rewrote like, it. Like, would I? Let's go. Yeah. Are you paying? Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm at. And that's where I was at. Like, are you paying? Yes. Okay. Cool. Let me rewrite it. Yeah. it but it's a great, it's a great story. You know, it takes place in, uh, you know, the hood in Baltimore. I remember when we when we told Sickler about it, or yeah. you told us oh, about yeah, it. And yeah, he was yeah. just like, "Oh yeah, of course I know yeah. about those guys." Yeah. And it was just like motorcycle gang in t- yeah but- these it's not really gangs it's like these guys who ride uh, ri- illegally ride dirt bikes through the city yeah you know you're not supposed to have a dirt bike in like an urban environment on the street yeah. right you know and so these are guys who ride in the city they have these sort of big souped up dirt bikes they do all kinds of crazy tricks there's a whole culture around it because if you have a dirt bike it has to be registered but you can't get like a license plate right is that what's know. the rule? There's I, actually, like, there's... I think it's more about I don't know that for I don't know. I yeah. think it's about Baltimore City ordinances that okay. like really outlaw what kind of vehicles you can have on the streets. Yeah. Probably to combat kids who are unlicensed driving around on these dirt bikes and they do crazy shit and they don't wear helmets. You know what I mean? They do like endos and wheelies and... everything you can imagine. Yeah. Like like super talented, creative people who live this life, bike yeah. life. Which, yeah. by the way, back to your dad and like, and that kid drumming and finding your calling. How do how do you grow up in Baltimore and find out that you're nasty <coughs> at like riding a dirt bike? Because some because your your co- older cousin puts you on a dirt bike, yeah. And then you're like, oh my god, they can ride. Yeah. You know, it's just taking the chance. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, man. So it's about a kid who wants to get down with like the clique, who's like the most notorious in that world, and it's a coming of age story. I love it. And when is that going to be a theater release? Yo, it should be. Yeah. It should be. So I think it's going to probably come out in the late summer or the early fall. Oh, yeah. And it's called 12. 12. Yeah. I love that. I mean, Very excited about it. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever written a movie that's been released in, in theaters? No. No. Let me tell you. And how long have you been a writer? I have been writing profession, like really trying to do it professionally yeah. since 2011. Okay. I sold, but I mean, I've been writing before that, like I said, since 18, you yeah, know, and I know in college I started, I started learning how to screenwrite really. Um, so, but isn't that crazy that you can have a job, right? Yeah. Cause I have the same, you know, I mean, I'm not as uh, successful as you are on the writing end. Stop. I mean, I know it's not, you just G, but I'm just G. You I'm can, like, you can write one script and be past G. I've, if you write, <laughs> if you write the right, like you can't write one script and be past S. Yeah. But you could be past G. You, you could definitely get past G with one script. Yeah, that's going to be your uh, motivational speaking tour, getting past G. Um, but no, it's like you can make a living and never have something made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can just do rewrites. Yeah. And those rewrites are lucrative, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Those rewrites could be, at but, minimum, it could, it's, it's like a month. And it's like 30 G's in your pocket, a minimum. But and I'm, if you're good at it. Yeah. But what other professions are there that you can be doing something that never actually sees completion? You know what I mean? There's no doctor out there that's like, oh, I mean, I guess there, there might be doctors that never perform surgery or never do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Dissertation. Research. Research. Yeah, research. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. No, it's cool. If you weren't, wouldn't have done writing, is there anything else you think you would have done or could have been good at? Uh, briefly in college while I was doing film. I briefly thought about putting film on pause and trying to be like a hip hop journalist. Oh yeah. Yeah, like what like writing about rap music. Really? Yeah, I really thought about it. I really it was kind of like at the beginning of like the um 
the age of blogs, you know? Yeah. And like online sites that were doing like independent coverage. And I really thought like, man, I would just love to write about rap and give my opinions and interview people. I mean, you still can't wait. Didn't you do that on that show? Tales. Well, Tales is a show on BET that I wrote. Yeah. And it's about hip hop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't talking. I wasn't giving my opinions. Oh, okay, but it was yeah. about hip hop. But I'll tell you, if you want to meet every rapper in the world, don't become a rapper. Don't become a hip hop journalist. Become a black screenwriter. Because you won't beat every rapper. <laughs> because every, they're like, they want a black dude they, to tell their story. They want black people to tell their stories and they all want to be in movies. Yeah. They all want to be in movies, man. I've met I've met childhood I've met childhood heroes. Like who? Who's your fave? The Rizza. Okay. From the leader of the Wu Tang. The Wu Tang, yeah. And you know, I'm obsessed with I, Jay. I had Wu Tang. Wu Tang's following is crazy, right? Oh, a fanatic. Yeah, fanatic. I mean, I had like you know, I feel like everyone who was growing up in the '90s into the thousands was into hip hop. Yes, to it was some a big extent. Yeah, 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 White, black, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like my hip hop knowledge clearly isn't going as deep as yours. You yeah. Know? Well, now when it comes, especially now when it comes to Wu Tang, I'm a Wu Tang fanatic. Like yeah. I had Wu Tang cufflinks at my wedding. Yeah. I've had Wu Tang birthday cakes. And so I get to meet. Shut up, dude. Yeah, I'll show you the pictures afterwards. Really, for at what grade? Grade adulthood. <laughs> grade. I'm thinking like, you know, like, like we're getting like read, like a Superman when you're like, nah, I want Wu Tang. No, no, no. It's like 26th grade. 26th yeah. grade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nah. So um, that's sit, fresh. Sitting down across from the RZA. Yeah. To talk about a movie project. How'd you do? Did you geek out? Uh, I did geek out. It worked in my benefit. Yeah. Because we were talking about a movie, I shouldn't go too deep into it because it still might happen, but we were talking about a movie about one of the members of Wu-Tang. Mm-hmm. And he um, he was telling me about a verse that they had, that this artist had, and he was like, yeah, it's kind of obscure. I'm like, obscure? <laughs> you mean disc number one from Wu-Tang Forever in 1997? And he oh, was like, shit. yo. Yeah. Yo, he looked at me, he was like, yo, you got it. You got the Wu in you. You yeah. got the woo in you. Yeah. That's it was great. Fresh. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like an instance where like being diehard and obsessed would like, because they're like, oh, this guy knows it in and out. Yeah. So I can make that reference. And it's almost like he's, he can talk a different language. Yeah. You know? No, it was great. It was great. You know, and then, but. Who else? Uh, sat down with your boy T.I. recently. Okay. Uh, of course, worked with Irv Gotti on uh, Tales. Who's and, Irv Gotti? Irv Gotti is a hip-hop mogul uh-huh. from the 90s. He ushered in DMX's career, Ja Rule's career, Ashanti's career, played a big part in Jay-Z's early career. So was he like a producer and then like kept finding dudes and yeah, bringing Yeah, he was a producer. Out? He was a record label producer. He started off as a DJ yeah. and uh, then got into production and then had his own record label. Yeah. Beat a federal indictment. Beat like a serious federal indictment, came out on top. That's part of hip hop, ain't shows. it? Oh my god! When you say DJ, not like radio DJ or spinning, like spinning. Okay, like yeah. he was like DJ Irv before yeah. he was Irv Gotti. He was like DJ Irv. Okay, you know, and um, <clears throat> great guy. Yeah, love that guy. You see why he's a mogul? Yeah, because you walk away from him feeling like you can do anything. Yeah, master motivator, man. The first time I met Irv Gotti, I went to his house and he cooked me egg whites. And he told me how great of a he told me how great of a writer I was, and how his girlfriend read my script and she cried. And he said, "Literal tears, Sherman. Literal tears. You are my heavy hitter. You are my higher gun." But I'm leaving out the egg yolks because I don't want you getting too heavy. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you keep your cholesterol yeah, yeah, down, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, Irv Gotti was on the health kick at the time. Uh, so yeah, man. 
you know what I love about that is like you think you think hip hop, and you think it's gonna be like, you know, I'm sure it is on tons of elements like gritty and raw, and this dude's cooking you egg whites. And at the end of the day, you know, you can start anywhere, go anywhere, but where you're gonna end up is totally up to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're saying A to Z, you're at G, but you know, you can like you said, you came from you know Cleveland. Cincinnati area. But originally Cleveland. Originally Athens, Ohio. Oh, Athens. Okay. Yeah. But city. And now you're like, you know, not knowing where you're going to go or your dad and where he would go, but then yeah. you can decide once you get there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool that you had your dad in your life to like give you that. I mean, do you, do you attribute a lot of you being able to just like know that you can do these things because of your dad and your mom? What was oh, your yeah. mom like with no, all this? No, my those? mom was, I mean, you know, she married an artist, you know, so she also... Totally was on the same boat. I think, look, a lot of times people get talked into doing the same thing, right? Of course. Like, you're, you, you've made your way as a comedian. How many times have you met somebody who said, yeah, I would have loved to do that, but. Oh, my. I would have, oh, I would have, I always thought I could do that, but. Yeah. You know, and they took the safe bet. Yeah. They got their degree, you know, people, I was in the, I was in the film program and people would come up to me and say, oh, yeah, I would have loved to do that, but I thought, like, a communications degree would be better. Totally. And they did it. And they I'm sure they made a happy life for themselves doing that kind of stuff, but it wasn't really what they wanted to do. Yeah. My parents empowered me, study what you love. So you're motivated by it? You think you can do it? Study Well, that. especially for you, because you start getting good grades once you... Oh, you they know. were ecstatic about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing? Do you think that ever, any, any point you will write something that is hip-hop related? It's... Well, so I have well, outside written, of that TV one. show. Yeah. I mean, I would love to. Why has there been like a period piece, like series about you know hip hop either in L.A. or New York, like around Pac or around like? Well, you know, they had the show on Netflix, which was like about the origin of hip hop. Yeah, what the was get that down. called? The, the get, get down. down. I watched like the first three of that. Um, and then the, I feel like there has been like a few attempts at like exact, you know, trying to get really deep into hip hop. Wait, did they stop making that? Where they get two seasons out of that? I don't know. I heard it was like their most expensive show ever. I don't know that for a fact. Wasn't that like that was a period piece, right? In the 70s? Wasn't it in the yeah, 70s? Yeah, it was like the Bronx is Burning era, yeah, you know, the yeah. 70s, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to write stuff about hip-hop. Like, I would love to... I try to incorporate some feeling of that in almost everything I do. Yeah. You know, but I, to write about hip-hop directly, it has to be the right story, you know? Yeah. I don't... You know, I'm not into like... Empire is cool, you know, for that fan base, but yeah. I wouldn't want to write like a, like a soap opera, hip just vaguely set in the world of hip hop for sure you know I'm, I'm looking i'm always looking at like biographies interesting biographies yeah you know yeah i mean i love that uh, do you do you still get out to go out to shows no yeah no not at all man oh, not man. at all last show i went to was uh was run the jewels oh yeah i went to run the jewels i think when they were actually touring for their first album uh -huh. went out here in la fantastic show but just like I don't, you know, I don't have the time, you know. Yeah, I know, with the dude. Kids, and we're like, you know, kids, we're older. Old man. You can be there, and people are like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Do you ever have that feeling? Where do you fit with your brothers and sisters? I'm so I'm like the middle. I'm like uh, I have four siblings, so I have one younger sibling, my sister. Oh, okay, I'm the youngest, so mm -hmm. for some reason, I think I don't know if this is everybody, but as the youngest, I always feel young. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'll always be in environments around like people way younger than me and i just still feel like oh yeah like we're all the same age and then like they're looking at me like nah man, man. dude you're, i'll tell you like old in my last writing room i felt that because i thought i still consider myself relatively young in the film industry which yeah. is true 
because most people don't get their start until their late 20s. Yeah. So quite honestly, that's yeah. usually when people get their first break, the late part of their 20s. So oh, good Lord, if, if you've been doing it just for, you know, seven, eight years, you're still relatively young. But I went into this last writing room and I looked across to the staff writers and I said, how old are you guys? And one said 21 and one said 22. Dude. And they had just graduated from college and they had like spent a summer and then they were hired in a writing room. I was like, oh yeah, I'm old. Yeah, I'm old. Like well, we I mean, don't even... that's. I mean, well, that's crazy. That's a crazy extreme. That's way crazy, especially like in writing. Well, I mean, it, you know, as a stand-up, I, I have this. So a friend of a friend, this happens once in a while. Like, oh, we know someone who wants to get into stand-up, and this kid, <laughs> his kid came in. He was Dominican, and he sat down with me. He's 22, and I was like, I had to explain to him, like, you know, like he's he hasn't done it yet, but he's gonna. I think Wednesday was gonna be the first night he did stand up, and I was like, one thing you gotta understand is you don't know anything. Okay, I'm like, you don't really have life experience, and I told him, you know, Pete Davidson writes yeah. on SNL and stuff. Yeah. I saw Pete Davidson do stand up. We were on the showcase together. I think he was 19, and the thing that I was blown away by with that dude is he had like. He talked like someone who had like lived life experience. Yeah, but his life story is he's yeah, gone through a lot, right? It's yeah. what? He's gone through a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that it made sense, but he was like he had perspective and you know, so I was trying to explain to that kid like, you know, it might not come right away, but find what you like and what you find is funny and like, you know, you have to get on stage, but I was like you still have to like live life a little. So for those dudes, you know, or girls to be in that room at 21, 22, it's, it's amazing. like they must you be know, talented. It's amazing. They're very talented. I think actually the show that I was writing was about teens. Yeah. So it made sense that you get somebody who is like just out of their teens, you know, they're yeah. close to the culture still. But that's that's the first time I felt old. Yeah. See, that's yeah. where I feel like our business yeah. and writing and doing anything in anytime you take an art form and you're trying to do it professionally, there's this like weird element of letting go of art and knowing that when if you're gonna do it professionally, there's gonna be things that like you might not want to write. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're not always going to get like a dope project like that movie come across your page. Yeah. You have to really, you know, I'm, you know, I've definitely gone through that in my career. You yeah. know, it's the balance of uh, taking the job, you know, getting some money, getting some momentum. It's a balance of taking a risk, pushing your limits. Yeah. You don't know if something is going to be in your wheelhouse until you try it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you could, sometimes you land on something great. Sometimes it's a hit and a miss, you know, swing and a miss. Um, but, that's the that's the creative pursuit, right? Like, you have to vibe with something. That's, I think that's the biggest difference between doing something creative professionally versus doing something that's just a job, right? Because totally, you, I have to love it. Yeah. I have to love it. If I don't love it, it's not going to be the best it can be. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case if you're a banker. I don't think you have to love Chase Bank to be a really good oh man that's my bank baby yeah me too that's why i picked it <laughs> love chase shout out chase what's up chase it's funny i walked sponsored by, by another chase. bank the other no, day you yeah you can say that sponsored by chase with the new atm debit card <laughs> i walked by another bank the other day like city national bank or something yeah. and i'm like looking at it. i'm like they got atms they got a whole bank going on in there i'm like who the fuck's coming to this bank why would you go to that why bank? would you go to this yeah. bank for you getting good rates over here like yeah. i don't even know um no, but there's that like letting. I think what I what I I don't know if this is what you're saying, but what I'm picking up on is like when you make a choice to to try something artistic or not just try something artistic. If you're someone out there that's like, yeah, I want to own a mechanic shop and fix cars because I love it. You know what I mean? And yeah. like I love getting in there and doing it. Or the other night we went to the art walk down here and there was this guy who was building like 
robot machines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I go to him. I go, dude, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a living? Right. Like, these were dope machines with buttons that made things happen. Right. And he goes, oh, well, right now I'm doing an installation at a museum. And I go, your stuff? And he goes, no, someone else's stuff. And, I'm, and, and you know that's not his end, what he would want to be. Like, what do you – but, like, letting go of what if – letting go of what if not and grabbing onto, like, yeah, what, what, what if. What if you yeah, know? what's possible. Yeah, yeah 100%, man. It, I think that's a that's a you know for anybody looking for inspiration or yeah. wondering if they should do it, you got to try it. You got to you got to try it, and you have to bet on yourself. And if you really want to make it, you have to bet on yourself. Make it okay. Again, I'm a G. Like I don't know. Make Trust it might me. not make it might not be the right word. The more we're talking, I think it might be enough. Okay, G <laughs> might be enough. I can pay my bills, y'all. Uh, but uh, you know, I think betting on yourself once is big. Yeah. But like, how many times have you bet on yourself? How many times have you organized your own show? How many times have you pitched your own idea to a television company? Time and time again, man. Yeah. And that also scares a lot of people off. It scares a lot of people off that, oh, the first bet I placed on myself, the first real risk I took Lost. didn't work out. Yeah. Back to the safe thing. Yeah. And this isn't just like what we're talking about. This is like opening a hair salon like that dude who messed your hair up. You know what I mean? Or Absolutely. it's like someone who's like, oh, I've always wanted done floral design, you know, which is a dream job for me. Yes. You know what I mean? Or interior I've seen design. your designs that are amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your arrangements, I should say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Not a musician, people. Flower arrangements. Um, but yeah, like anytime you're going to take a risk outside the norm. And I think a lot of people, it's just like, it's scary and it's like, especially now, like what you graduate college with debt, you know, I still got student loan debt. Me too. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but if we had taken a job out of college, we probably would be out of student loan debt by now. That's one thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, financial security. Totally. I know. It's like you juggle it. That's why you said I can pay my bills. And that's the way I always looked at them. Like, as long as I can pay my bills, you wait till like you finally get that thing where you can, especially if like, you know, you're pursuing to the art that you want to do. Not just like the job, yeah. you know, that you just get. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to just be comfortable and feel like you can take care of all your debt, you'll never have to worry. There are, listen, there are jobs. You have freedoms that we'll never have. Yes. There are jobs that are so employable and so consistent that you can, if you have that title and you have that training, you can get hired every single day. Yeah. As a creative person, as somebody who's in comedy or writing, you take the risk. At any given time, you might be out of work for 18 months. Yes. You never know tomorrow <laughs> the project you think you have could fall through. Yeah. And you have nothing, nothing to show for it. And you, do, what do you do? Do you drop out? You might have to financially for a little bit. Yeah. Or do you go do something else for a little bit and come back and figure out a way to bet on yourself? It's a difficult... It's not for everybody, man. That's no. a, it's it's nerve wracking even for for me. I've done it. I've gone through the ups and downs, and it's still nerve wracking. Yeah, me. yeah. It's never gonna, it's never not gonna be. That's probably part of the reason we do it because we like that. Yeah. Either way, this was great, man. Okay, cool. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I mean, you're you you like people following you on social media? You like to keep it private? Uh, yeah. Twitter, Champagne. Champagne. S H E R M P A Y N E. Awesome, man. And yeah. we gotta look out for twelve. Twelve coming uh, this summer. Columbia Pictures. Boom. Thanks, buddy. All right. Hey, everybody. I hope you loved that episode as much as I did. So much interesting stuff. It's always weird when dudes want to start talking hip-hop, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm down with, like, and I know some stuff, and then they just drop all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I kind of stopped at Big Daddy Kane. And they're like, BBD, I don't know if that's hip-hop, dude. I'm like, that's not hip-hop. And I'm like, all right. Um, 
I'm glad you guys listened and tuned in. I'll check you guys out next week. Thanks so much. Thank you.